In the name of our Creator, our Redeemer, and our Sanctifier. I love the Gospel we just read. I love Jesus in this Gospel. I want to dive right in and start talking about this Gospel. But we sat here together in silence with a few stickers a few minutes ago and heard that reading from Proverbs. A capable wife who can find this is a problem. (laughs) Bill, we know it's not your fault. You were just assigned to the reading. A wise person in Bible study this week said, that's sexist. Yes. Yes, it is. And we can explain it away by speaking of the times in which it was written. But that isn't quite enough when we belong to a tradition that still reads it and texts like it on a regular basis in our worship. We can speak to some of the beauty and dignity that it does have, because it does. But that isn't quite enough, either, as I read articles about how the past and current permissiveness around assault on girls and women stands on a foundation of major religious readings which speak to the role of women who mainly serve to sacrifice and serve others. Or worse, scripture that tells stories of the abuse and oppression of women where the moral of the story isn't don't oppress or abuse women. Quite frankly, This is a major problem in all three Abrahamic religions. All of us call ourselves children of Abraham, a man who gravely mistreated both his wife and his favorite female slave. These stories and their male heroes get into our psyche and into our society. I'm not going to guess at how other religions other Christians or other Episcopalians maybe should deal with this. But considering current times and this capable wife reading and today's gospel, I cannot stand before you today without asking, how do we as a community move ahead? So hold that question with me, will you? Knowing that I do not have the answer, I just know we need to hold on to that problem together as we discuss the gospel. So the gospel. I love this scene. It's tender and human and cringeworthy, if we are honest enough to see ourselves in those disciples. Jesus and his disciples pass quietly through Galilee, trying not to attract attention because Jesus has some important things to say just to his disciples. For a second time, he is trying to prepare them for his death and for the resurrection. They are understandably confused and afraid, and as they traverse the road from Galilee to Capernaum, about a 17-mile walk, They fall into the kinds of behavior that sprout from human confusion and fear. Mainly competition, boasting, and grappling to be the first, best, and greatest. They don't think Jesus can hear them. I think they knew he would not approve. But he knows 
what they are arguing about, and as they settle in in a house in Capernaum that evening, he asks them what they were talking about along the way. They wouldn't tell him. They knew they were in the wrong. Nothing he had taught them so far would support such pride and arrogance. Perhaps they waited to be scolded, but he didn't exactly scold them, did he? He told them they must be last if they'd like to be first. They must serve. They must welcome the most vulnerable among them. And then he invited a child to come forward, and he held the child in his arms. Whoever welcomes one such child in my name welcomes me, not just me, but the one who sent me. This was very unexpected. Jesus was very gentle and nurturing in the aftermath of and in contrast to the disciples' prideful competition. And in that gentle nurture, there was great power. There is power in compassionately seeing who in the room does not have privilege. And I don't think he was just referring to children in his example of this. There is power in noticing the privileges we each have and humbly shifting that power, that privilege, into the hands of those who have less. Somewhere in the power of that kind of humility, we may have an inkling of how to heal the biggest wounds we as humans have cast upon one another. Somewhere in there, We have what we need to disentangle ourselves from the foundational misconceptions about the economy of human value. Somewhere in this scene of Jesus with a child in his arms, we can release ourselves from the narratives of human hierarchy that we've used our scriptures to justify. And then maybe... We will look at children and our elders and honor their personhood. We will look at immigrants and citizens and honor their journey. Look at refugees and soldiers and honor their desire to be safe. Look at women and children and men and see humans who should never, never be touched against their will. Look in the mirror and know what privileges society has given to us. Look at prisoners and prison guards and see a brother or a sister. Look in the mirror again and know what oppressions we each have suffered. Look in the mirror and see a child in the arms of Christ. What if one way to get there is to reframe and repurpose the wisdom of our forebearers. The capable wife reading still pulls at my attention, and I get curious about the Christian metaphor of the marriage between Christ and the church. For me, while still problematic, this is helpful. This read could teach me something about what it is for us to be the church, what it is to be a disciple Wives were, and too often still are, mainly valued for their ability to follow and obey husbands. 
At baptism, Christians are asked if we promise to follow and obey Christ. It is worth wondering about the fact that Christians at baptism are asked if we will behave toward Christ as wives were asked to behave throughout history. It is worth replacing the word wife with the word church or the word disciple or the word or the word Christian. We could replace the word husband with Jesus or God or even humanity. And while we're messing with things, why not use the alternative translations of the Hebrew word hayil, which instead of capable, could mean strong, valiant, or excellent. And then, we'd have a proverb wherein we, as an excellent church, are more precious than jewels. The hearts of both humanity and Christ would trust in us. We open our hands to the poor and reach out to the needy. It's worth wondering where we can find the diamonds among the stumbling blocks of our own religion and turn them like a prism to find new color and new light and new love, new guidance. It is worth being as curious, as creative, as humble, and as playful as children as we ask God to direct our course and open our hearts to one another. It is worth noting that children are fierce. And I pray we may be fierce as well in our renunciation of dominance and our reclaiming of the dignity of every human being. Amen.